0: I wrote this week about the uh, case of Charlie Gard. Uh, it's an awful, tragic, infuriating case. And if you aren't familiar, I'll just give you the quick rundown on this uh, saga that's been going on in the UK for months. Charlie Gard is a 10-month-old baby, suffers from a genetic disorder, very rare genetic, di- genetic disorder, that affects, uh, I don't know, less than 0.01% of, uh, of the population. It's called mitochondrial DNA depletion syndrome. And it's just a horrific condition. It leads to organ failure, a lot of other symptoms, brain damage. I believe um, Charlie is, uh, because of the condition, blind and deaf, and he's, he needs to be hooked up to a breathing apparatus. So he's has been treated um, at a hospital in London called the Great Ormond Street Hospital, or GOSH, Thinks the acronym that people use for it over there, and this hospital made the determination a few months ago that nothing more could be done for the baby, and so you have to be—he had to be taken off of life support, um, at which point he would die. And they said, "Well, he needs to die with dignity," quote unquote. But the parents, Chris Guard, Connie Yates, disagreed, and uh, this is what is so important to understand about this case, and where I think a lot of people are confused, especially over here in the states. The parents were never insisting that Gosh be forced to keep Charlie on life support. This isn't one of those things. And you, you hear about well, this happens frequently in the United States, where there's a disagreement. You have someone who's in the hospital, and there's a different disagreement between the loved ones and the hospital about whether or not this person should stay on life support. And those can be complicated cases. And there, you have to listen to specifics. And there are sometimes where you know you hear about the case and. It, it, and the hospital is right, that nothing more can be done. And and, uh, and and there are other cases where maybe the loved ones are right. But that's a very different situation because, and I'll explain how this is different in a second, but in those situations, it's, it, you have the, the family that wants to compel or force or convince the hospital to undergo measures that they the medical professionals do not believe to be helpful or necessary or that they would think are potentially counterproductive that's not what's happening here the parents want to take the baby out of the hospital off of their hand the hands of these medical professionals take him to America to undergo a form of experimental therapy that a doctor here had already agreed to administer. Now, that's a very expensive proposition to take the kid out of the hospital, fly him over here. He needs to be hooked up to a ventilator the whole time and have all this equipment. Get him over here, do the treatment. That whole process from transportation to the treatment itself, we're talking about over a million dollars. Well, Chris and Connie raised over a million. They raised over a million and a half dollars to fund this last-ditch effort to save their child's life. All they needed to do, or all they needed the British hospital to do, was release their child into their care, um, which is not a burdensome request. It's the opposite of burdensome. It's saying, this will no longer be your burden. Just let us take our kid. And so they could then leave the country and try their luck with treatment here. Very slim chance of success from what I've read very, very slim chance that the treatment would have any serious substantive impact. But there is a chance. And it was better than just sitting by and watching their baby die. And imagine that you're in this position, God forbid, and your child is dying. And you hear about some experimental kind of therapy that might possibly help uh and it's not like it's some you know witch doctor you're going to in the third world this is the united states a reputable doctor presumably um and let's say you have oh you happen to have a million dollars to invest in this wouldn't you do it the only thing that normally stops people from pursuing those options with their kids is that it's cost a lot of money they don't have the money and at a certain point this insurance company is going to say well we're not going to pay for this but if you have the million dollars and you can bring your kid and just try of course you would try right and here's where things get truly insane and uh, the word i've been using is barbaric it is barbaric the hospital refused to give charlie back to his parents The matter goes to the courts over in Europe and uh, finally the European Court of quote-unquote human rights ruled that the parents should be barred from taking their son to the United States for treatment. According to the quote-unquote human rights court, it is Charlie's human right that he die in his hospital bed in London. The parents are not allowed to try to save his life. It is in his best interest, quote-unquote, to simply die, according to their ruling. So in Europe death with dignity supersedes all of the rights in europe a a mother may kill her baby but she's not allowed to keep him alive barbaric now i've heard many people rationalizing this decision they say well the doctors know best and as i said that is a relevant point and a true point many times in situations where family members are trying to force the doctors to administer treatments that they, the medical professionals know will not work, but that's not what's happening here. The the only thing the parents are trying to force the doctors to do is relax their grip. So the child can be taken to different doctors in a different country. So the doctors may be the final authority on what kind of medical measures they personally should take, but they are not the final authority or they should not be the final authority over life itself. And it's one thing for them to say, I'm not going to do this treatment. It's quite another thing for them to say, you're not allowed to have this treatment done by anyone. You must die. The former is reasonable. The latter is euthanasia. So this baby is being euthanized. The fact that he's also dying naturally is irrelevant. He is being told, the parents are being told, you have to let the child die. You are not allowed to pursue any other Uh, options now the reaction to this case has been interesting first of all I've i've been interested by the fact that uh you know a large number of people here in the united states haven't even hadn't heard of this case before i wrote about it overseas this story has been all over the place um and the parents have been the media they've been on all the major you know british talk shows and all that kind of stuff talking about this case um it's like what the shivo case was here But it does seem to be picking up some steam in this country. And I think because... Well, first, because people feel terrible for the parents. But second, we see in this case our future. And to some extent, our our present. As I explained in my piece, this is what socialized medicine does. This is what it's all about. Taking the decision away from individuals, away from parents, and giving that power to some collection of doctors, bureaucrats, lawyers, judges. And they judge the situation, based on formulas and policies, human life is reduced down to a statistic, to a chance of survival, of numbers. And you may say that insurance companies function exactly the same way, and they do necessarily. That's the um, whole sort of double-edged sword, the whole danger of giving power to large bureaucracies, whether they're private bureaucracies or public, because they have no choice but to treat you like a number on a spreadsheet. It's the same thing when you go to Walmart. Although your life isn't normally in their hands, hopefully, um, they at the end of the day, you're just a, a person. They've got millions of customers every day. You're just another number. Get in, get out, get your, uh, you know, get your loaf of bread and your milk and your toilet paper and get out that's all they want. But, and that happens anytime you have a big institution interacting with individuals, that's the way it's going to go. But the difference, okay, here's the difference, because we talk about uh, the dangers of large companies and the dangers of large, of big government. And um, you have a lot of people on the left who think that they're interchangeable or even that It's that it's better to have, you know, to to, to put you at the mercy of big government than at the mercy of big corporations. But here's the difference. The difference is that an insurance company cannot tell you that you aren't allowed to get a certain treatment or get a certain treatment for your child. They can say that they won't cover it, which may often be effectively the same as saying you're not allowed to get it because if they won't cover it, then a lot of times you can't afford it. But they cannot actually legally prevent you from doing what you want to do on your own. All they can say is, we're, we don't want to be associated with that. You can do what you want, but we're not going to cover it. And although there have been plenty of times where insurance companies have made that decision and um, perhaps it was unjust, at the end of the day, they need to have that authority. I mean, that's they're an insurance company. And they need to be able to make hard decisions like that or the business model doesn't work. And this is what people, and I don't, I don't want to get um, off on a tangent, but this is what people don't understand when we talk about the healthcare debate in this country and we talk about a uh, insurance companies should be forced to treat or you know, take people on to a existing conditions and so forth. Yeah. That may seem, may seem humane, but the business doesn't work. It, it doesn't work for anybody. If you start doing that, um, but still, these are corporations. They don't have militaries at their disposal. They don't have police. They don't have a, an enforcement mechanism. Uh, they don't make laws. Now, they have lobbyists who can influence lawmakers to make laws, sometimes influence them too much, but they themselves don't make the laws. So all they can do is say, you can't do this with our help. But when the government is involved, they can reach that far. They can say, not only is this not covered, but you aren't allowed to do it at all, period. And that is a, a, a an extremely important distinction. Especially these days when, you know, this this family, they I don't know what their economic situation is, but they're not rich. They didn't have a million and a half dollars lying around. They raised it. So they had this situation, they brought it to people's attention and they raised the money through GoFundMe or whatever uh, online thing. And uh and that's something that, you know, in this modern uh, modern technology information age, that is it uh, doesn't work for everybody, but that's you know we do have more options. There's always a chance. If you're in this kind of situation that you can take it to the public and say guys can you help me out and if you have freedom in your country then you can do that and if and if the community bands together and says we're going to help you let's do this then it can happen but they don't have freedom in Europe and and this is this is why you need freedom because you can't be reliant 100% on the government to take care of you and you can't be reliant 100 percent on big corporations to take care of you, but there is always that third factor of the community, the people. And actually, people are are, are, are anxious and willing to help if you come to them and say, "Can you help me? Here's my situation." Um, you know, there are panhandlers in, in every major city who who, who who, if they're good at what they do, make tens of thousands of dollars a year. if not more just with a sign and a tin cup because people want to help. And that's why you need freedom so that you can have that option. The more power we give to the government in this area or any area, the less freedom we have. It's a simple concept, I think, but people don't seem to understand it. But in terms of uh, the reaction, people seem to be split into a few camps in this country and overseas too, I assume. There are the sane, rational, decent people who are outraged and infuriated, as they should be. There are the leftists who just want to downplay or ignore the story because it's so inconvenient to, the, to their larger narrative. Then there are the avowed Darwinists. And I've heard from many of them who have said basically, well, this is how it needs to be. The, the boy's going to die anyway. There's no point in prolonging his life. There's no societal advantage. The strong must survive, etc., Now, this is the position of the left fundamentally. Everyone on the left, this is their position, even if they don't say it, or even if they don't fully realize it. The advocacy for abortion, euthanasia, all of that, it all stems from a kind of utilitarian, materialist view of human life. It has a, human life in their mind has a certain use. It's a a resource, basically. And once the resource is used up, it should be exterminated, or sometimes it should be exterminated before it's even used up at all. But... When I hear this kind of stuff, I always wonder: Do these people put themselves into this formula? For instance, a woman left a comment under my article on this on this case. Um, the comment's deleted now, I think. But she said basically, she said basically this: she said, "The strong survive." He's going to die soon anyway. He's sick. Just let it go. And I responded, maybe I was a little harsh, but I said, okay, well, what about you? I bet I'm stronger than you. You know, I, I am. I know I'm stronger than you as a woman. You know, I'm a man. I stay in shape. Does that mean I can kill you and you won't complain? Strong survive, right? I'm stronger than you. It means I'm better. And I bet you aren't nearly as useful to the world as many other people. You aren't contributing nearly as much as so many others are. So does that make your life less valuable? Are you expendable? Can, can we use you up and throw you out? I mean, what have you done with your life? Seriously, what, what have you done to deserve further existence? Like I said, she deleted the comment. I guess that was her answer. Her answer was, well, I haven't done anything. Oops, I guess I shouldn't be making this case publicly. But it's interesting how the people who can't see the sacredness in human life generally are still able to see the sacredness of their own life personally, no matter how, by their standards, useless that life has been. Here's what it comes down to. If we want to be consistent, we must either decide that all life is sacred or that no life is sacred. And how long in, in that case, if no life is sacred, then how long a life is permitted to continue depends entirely on how much it is contributing to the greater good. If, if we adopt this perspective, we've justified nearly every human rights atrocity ever committed in history. And we've most likely signed our own death warrant. We've laid the groundwork for our own human rights to be deprived, considering most of the internet Darwinists are societal non-contributors. That's why they're sitting around on the internet all day. With these uh, horrible opinions, which is what I do too, but at least I'm paid for it. We have, in this situation, created a an environment where the value of human life is acquired by degrees. And it's relative to so many external factors. The value of human life is relative to how, uh, to how desirable that life is to those around it. And if we don't like the sound of that, if we don't like what that implies, if we don't like where that heads If we don't particularly like what that means for us personally, then we're left with only one alternative, that life is sacred. No matter if it's an unborn life, no matter if it's a child, a sick child, no matter if it's an elderly uh, person, you know, my, my, my wife's grandfather, late 80s, passed away recently. But uh, And his health had been declining for years, and he'd had several strokes. He was no longer able to speak. His mental facilities were uh, de- deteriorate, deteriorate, dwindling. Let's go with that instead. Um, and he, he, he got uh, pneumonia, and pneumonia for a, an elderly sick person is often deadly. It was for him, but it, it, you know, he went to the hospital, and the hospital treated him for you know over a week, Tried to, uh, tried to do what they could to, um, to uh, address the pneumonia to get him over the pneumonia, and, and we knew that even if even if somehow they're able to treat the pneumonia, he gets past it, he's going to die soon, no matter what. He's eighty-seven years old. He's headed in that direction as we all are, but he's just closer than most of us are, or so we hope. Um. But they they still treated him, finally, you know they thought they had it under control. the pneumonia comes r- roaring back, and uh, it's just there's nothing they can do and so they decided they were going to... the decision was made by everybody, the family, the doctors, everyone agreed that there's nothing more that can be done um, and you know he, he he's shutting down, so they, sh- they they brought him to hospice, and he died the same day they brought him to hospice. Now, the sort of Darwinist, socialized medicine approach would say that uh, why ever even treat the pneumonia in the first place? What was the point of that? A lot of wasted resources and money, right? To even try to treat it, he was probably going to die anyway. He was definitely going to die anyway soon, no matter what. Probably he was going to die of that particular bout of pneumonia and he did so it was wasted money this was a, a number on the spreadsheet and and it it uh, you know the 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 accounts weren't weren't fully balanced there and that's how people look at it when they don't understand that life is sacred but of course we know if we are truly pro life we look at that and we say well look we're all going to die anyway one way or another yeah he was old he wasn't quote contributing to society at that exact moment although in his life he contributed far more than he was a, he built houses he was a builder and he employed people he contributed far more in his life than uh the vast majority of us have or ever will he was a world war 2 veteran so He'd done a lot more than I have. Probably done more than you have. But um, those of us who are pro-life, we look at that and we say, yeah, he's sick, he's dying. But you do what you can within reason to preserve life because it is life. And because every moment of life is infinitely valuable. And so even if you know for a fact that someone is going to die tomorrow, that doesn't mean that you don't do what you can for them today. Because today is today and this is life. Life is not the most important thing in the world. Our eternal lives, our souls are the most important. But life is number two on that list. Life is sacred no matter how long it exists. And if you if you step back far enough and you take a wide enough view, none of us exist for that long. We live on average for 80 years. Who cares? Blip on the radar screen. Humanity itself has only been on Earth for a few thousand years. So who cares about any of us? Who cares about you? Because it's life, and it was given to us by God. And God gave this child, Charlie Gard, he gave Charlie Gard life. Only God knows when he is ultimately going to die, although it looks like it's going to be very soon. But while he is here, his life is precious, infinitely precious. His life is more important than any other non-human force In the physical universe. That baby's life is more important than every star in the sky. Every uh, planet. Every animal on earth. If every animal on earth had to die. So that baby could live one more day. It would be worth it. Because that baby's one day on earth is more important than every beast on this earth. Because it's a human life. That's why. And he entrusted that life to those parents so that they could preserve and protect that life. That's their job. It's not their most important job. Their most important job is to preserve and protect his soul in their own, but it's number two on the list. And so they're trying to do everything they can. And they have a right to do everything they can. And, 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 and if they have exhausted every option, there are no options left, then it's clear that God is saying it's time. Even if, it's, even if that time is coming way, way, way sooner than anyone had ever thought or hoped. But when you still have options, when there's still a chance, well, a parent is going to want to, Explore those chances Because that's what a parent is supposed to do And to take that right away from a parent Is unthinkable I mean it is unthinkable So Pray for for these parents And uh, for for all of us Because We live in a We live in a um, A broken culture All right That's gonna do it for me. I'll um, I'll talk to you guys next week. I crew chase Salus. Godspeed.